it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. 1 408 7669. As we move ahead, we got a lot of action today. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West at the bottom of the air will weigh in on uh, what's going on at the border as well as what's going on with these intelligence documents, which he had a uh, he had a hand in when he was in uh, the military. What would have happened to him had he left some intelligence documents, highly classified documents, uh, in his garage next to his Corvette, or in his case, motorcycle? So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. You run for office in 2024. You going to run as a Democrat? Chuck, I haven't made a decision what I'm going to do in 2024. I've got two years ahead of me now to do the best I can for the state and for my country. Yeah, it was senator or president. That was Manchin. Second thoughts and getting crowded. Biden's re-election campaign launch may be stuck on the tarmac as his problems mount. And Trump looks finally ready to hit the road while his list of friends turns into competitors. Uh, and that list is growing. We'll examine. Number two. The endgame for Antifa can vary by collective by collective, but there is always this overarching, like, anti-fascism. When they define it, they don't mean Nazis. They don't mean KKK. They mean basically Western ideals as well as democracy itself. Well, there you go. Uh, that is a uh, an Antifa expert talking about what's happening over in Atlanta, what's happening in Portland, what happened in Boston. Antifa attack. Rich white kids creating havoc in major cities. How is this anything less than terrorism? Why are people not upset about this? Why is this not a big deal? Number one. When you found out that the FBI had located even more classified materials in Wilmington, which four-letter word did you use? (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Peter. There you go. No good answers. Classified documents found in three locations in five separate searches at the president's office and his homes dating back as many as 20 years. Meanwhile, the Republican House is getting stonewalled in their quest for answers and investigations. I know they're not looking forward to being investigated, but that's part of the reason. You don't think Trump liked You think Trump liked being investigated? By the way, they're also saying this is how crazy the Democrats are for Trump in the House. You know what they're saying? They want to crack down on the IRS and find out why it took him so long to do the audits on Trump's taxes. Remember the taxes were going to be really enlightening? Nothing happened. Why Trump didn't just release him would have saved himself a lot of headaches. But maybe that's because he didn't want people feasting on him, not understanding what it's like to big, uh, do huge commercial, commercial real estate. So the number one story has to be. 13 and a half hours at his Wilmington address. And they walk out with at least six documents and tons of notes, daily schedules, which makes me think that they found something in these documents to make them want to investigate further. Not just that he had highly classified documents to the president of the United States, some dating back to his years as senator. And some could be 80 pages or 100 pages. When they say documents, there could be six, but it doesn't mean six pages. It could be 600 pages. We don't know. So this is the focus day after day because the president, every day, it seems every week we're getting more and more documents, which shows whatever you think about what Trump did, that was six months. This is 16 years of somebody 
who basically left these documents out. What else did he take? And now they might go to his Rehoboth home in Delaware. Okay. Don't you think that's been scrubbed by now? Whatever's left there is really something his 70-year-old lawyer couldn't find. So it's hard hearing this, but here's Corrine Jean-Pierre pretending as if she's doing something responsible. Cut one. When you found out that the FBI had located even more classified materials in Wilmington, which four-letter word did you use? <laughs> oh, my goodness, Peter. Um, Can't say. <laughs> Uh, President Biden is still intending to run for re-election in 2024, right? Uh, I'll just repeat what the president said after the midterm election, which is he intends to run. I'm going to be very careful from here, as you know, uh, because we are covered by the Hatch Act, and I'm not going to speak further to his process. Well, uh, I'm wondering what's going on. They're going to wait to have to State of the Union. The thought is we loses his chief of staff. At the same time, we find out he's being investigated by a special prosecutor. At the same time, we find out the FBI is scrubbing his location. So he'll be at – he's uh, running from the searches. It looks like they're ready to do it on the weekends, the same weekend the cable guy usually comes. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, a little bit later on, cut to. The House Oversight Committee chairman says this document situation has all the makings of a potential cover-up. Is President Biden involved in a cover-up? We've been very clear here from this administration. The president has been very clear. I'm going to be very serious. You asked me kind of a question that everybody laughed at, which was interesting question to ask. But any other uh, any other underlying questions that you may have, I would refer you to my colleagues, the White House counsel. All right, fine. I can't even hear it. Uh, I don't think they're briefing her, and she doesn't mind it, uh, which is incredible. So the House wants to look into this. They want to find out about the visitor logs. They want to find out what about these documents. What do they contain? Where do they lead? Does it have anything to do with Hunter Biden? These are just off the top of my head. Can you imagine them with their huge staffs, what they know? So the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability spokesperson's response is, for the second time in three weeks, the White House has made it clear they don't plan on being transparent with the American people. First, the White House informed Chairman Comer on December 29th he would not receive any responses from the White House for requests made prior to January 3rd. Requests that covered important issues like the Afghanistan withdrawal, COVID origins, border and fentanyl crisis, and more. Now the White House counsel is telling Chairman Comer they will review the questions he asked to determine if his requests are legitimate or not. This is going to be a long slide. They're just going to look to hold out for two years, try to show the House is too disorganized to be led by the Republicans. But in terms of President Biden, no one can escape the seriousness of this. When it comes to Trump, he left with boxes. When they came back and said, you took too many, he gave back 16. They said, we need to see more. They looked at him. They said, well, I, I want to, I contend I can keep these. So while we dispute it, would you lock it up? Yes, they do. They give a subpoena. The lawyers look at the subpoena. They would think this is playing out. They want to see where they can go because they don't want to comply with it. Next thing you know, the FBI does a massive raid, and it was a raid. But this is, this is a situation which is adding up to being uh, just as serious which is, might be more challenging than Joe Biden, is that the FBI doesn't want to find anything by the way they're acting. The DOJ doesn't want to find anything. They just can't help it. Cut three. The law should provide that there's some documentation, the classification. It can happen instantaneously. Apparently it did when President Bush years ago had a conversation and declassified something 
on the spot. But there is no criteria now. It's a pure question of evidence, and the burden of proof is on the government. So I do not believe the government is going to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the material that was in Trump's possession was actually classified. So, I mean, they said there's 300 documents there classified. I'd love to see the explanation of why he took it, but Trump says, I don't even know exactly what they took, so I'll let you know. The only thing I would say for Trump, and even a Chris Christie who's become a critic, said uh, Trump likes memorabilia. That's what he likes. He doesn't want to see detailed documents. He's not going to sell documents. Guy's a patriot. You might not like him, but guy loves the country. I just want to pivot to this before we go to break. This guy who was arrested yesterday, this FBI guy, I can't overstate how important this is in this big picture story. So this guy's name uh, is Charles McConnell. And Charles McConnell is a special agent in charge of the FBI's counterterrorism division in New York, who retired in 2018 and seems to have worked out a relationship with an oligarch, a Russian oligarch, Olnem Depreska, who is all over this Russian investigation of the Russian, now we know it's the Russian hoax. This guy, who's head of counterintelligence, was one of the people that decided that George Papadopoulos, he relayed the information, was meeting with the ambassador of Australia saying that Vladimir Putin has got dirt on Hillary Clinton, immediately spurring an investigation. He spent a couple of days in jail for evidently lying to government officials. This guy was also part of putting together the the FISA application that include Carter Page, a warrant for him to tap his phones because they said that the Russians were targeting him to flip him as an agent. And now we find out he's in bed with Russia, taking $250,000, probably more. This is corruption within the FBI that's even turned on the FBI, let alone the FBI agents who just want to get rid of Trump or people like Andy McCabe and company who who are just anti-Trump and possibly just anti-Republican. The arrest yesterday of Charlie McConnell at 54 years old. He was, uh, was among the first FBI officials to learn the Trump campaign advisor, George Papadopoulos, was, was dealing. Uh, they said as an advisor, foreign policy advisor who Trump met once, was somehow at the hub of this Russia connection. The FBI investigation dubbed Crossfire Hurricane led to the appointment of a special counsel called Robert Mueller. It doesn't happen without this guy. Now, I don't know if he had, I was working for the FBI and then realized I had very little money and I had to flip and sell my soul to the Russians. Or is he somehow doing all this on the Russians' behalf? Because it certainly benefited Russia to see us in turmoil for close to three years and kind of did a job on the Trump presidency. When we come back, I'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Also, delve into what happened over the weekend in Atlanta. This somehow slipped under the radar that they try to launch a new academy in Atlanta, for a police academy for additional training, played for uh, by the police union, and they don't want to do it. So when Tifa shows up, a bunch of rich white kids, and they try to blow the place up, take on the cops, including blowing up a, a police cruiser. That's who these people have got a total pass. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. On the Biden side, there's another problem because the statute requires that the classified material be knowingly removed. That is, the person has to know it was classified and it was removed with an intent to retain it. And what Biden is going to claim is, I didn't know. It was just, among other papers, proved beyond a reasonable doubt that I knew it was classified. That's why I have concluded after... You know, 50 years of litigating criminal cases, there will be no criminal prosecution of either Trump or Biden. The only reason the special prosecutors were appointed was to satisfy the appearance of justice, not the reality of justice. And that is Alan Dershowitz last night. I saw a very good email to me of BrianKillMe.com. It says, uh, it's nice words. And then que- I question, why doesn't the DOJ FBI raid Joe Biden's brother's house along with Hunter's? That would be key. Because how would they get classified documents if it wasn't for their brother? Also, a lot of people writing about the Super Bowl, a lot of people predicting the Bengals are going to win. I think they should check Biden's house. Another email comes out. Biden has mostly cleaned out his beach house of documents. What about Camp David? I'm not sure Camp David isn't like the White House where you're allowed to have them out. Um, we'll We'll see where that goes. So I think this is huge. I think the whole story is getting bigger. I did think they were going to find more documents. Rehoboth. Here they come. But the problem is they telegraphed the whole thing. Here's what Trey Gowdy said uh, on primetime last night, cut seven. Well, it would be odder if it had not already happened once before. Remember with Secretary Clinton, they gave her lawyers the questions before she was interviewed. There were no subpoenas. There were no searches. So, look, you played this montage of media reaction, and it's clear they want to just laugh it off. It's a joke. I'm not disappointed because I'm not surprised at the media duplicity. I am a little surprised at DOJ's disparate treatment. I mean, how would they treat you? How did they treat other uh, non-political figures versus how they treated Secretary Clinton, how they treated President Trump, and how they're now treating President Biden? Uh, Huge. That's a great question. And by the way, this is a prosecutor. Obviously, he's a Republican. Got it. But he also was very condemning of Trump for taking those documents out to begin with. But Trump, six months, one as many as 16 years, maybe 26 years. And the, to me, the way I just do his way is described to me is if you're a senator and you're at the sense like whatever it is, you get to see private material in a skiff and you can't leave with it. You can't take pictures of it. You just can't do it. So if they end up with classified information that dates back to his years as senator, he had to have stolen it. Put it in his bag, put it in his pants. Did a Sandy Berger, put it in his socks. Brian Claypool, before I switch gears, uh, says we should not stop here. He is a uh, he's an attorney on Fox News at night. Cut 10. And how smug was Merrick Garland today when he was asked, oh, is there a different set of standards for Trump versus Biden? He's like, oh, absolutely not. What no. what 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 is what, what is this dude thinking? In, with, with respect to Trump, I believe that the FBI and DOJ were trying to manufacture a crime and try to 
create a crime to, to get Trump to not run for office. Here, it's the exact opposite. It's like, oh, we want to hide a crime. And how about this? Yeah. His lawyer, Biden's lawyer is calling up. Hey, you want to come over to do a search? I mean, that, are you serious? In, by invitation only, let's do a search of the home. That's not a search warrant. No. And why isn't his beach house getting searched? Uh, these are all great questions. And why are they taking so long? I mean, do we have enough FBI agents? You could stay in one house for 13 hours, for 10 hours. You couldn't have sent maybe half the group down there and spent the other one at Rehoboth. So uh, what else is going on? So over the weekend, you might have missed it. It was Back to the Future, the George Floyd riots, uh, Antifa style. On Saturday, they decided they did not want a police academy built in Atlanta. So they thought they would protest. Then they thought they would throw some uh, firebombs. Then they thought they would blow up a police cruiser. And then we realized this is a coordinated, judging by the live stream in which they show them, you could see that these idiots are all coordinated. And then you find out who they are. They arrested 22-year-old Francis Carroll, already on bail for terrorism, son of a multimillionaire. He got immediately bailed out. Madeline Henry was there. Uh, she's from a wealthy Portland family, Oberlin graduate. There's a well-balanced education. Emily Murphy, a middle-class one, but chairman of the Al Gore Climate Reality Project. Really? So if we don't blow up an academy, the world's going to heat up another degree Celsius? Avon, uh, e, uh, Ivan Ferguson, a top-level clarinetist, or dare I say musician. Al Cardigal was a fellow domestic terrorist. Others include this Teresa Sheen from Brooklyn. Dad's a pharmaceutical executive. Parents are extremely wealthy. Expats from China. And we can't forget about Kathleen Clark. She's with the Biden administration. She's got a non-binary child named, uh, it looks like, Riley Dow, arrested in Boston on Saturday for spray painting a landmark and then assaulting an officer. You must be proud. Meanwhile, how serious is Antifa? Why do they continue to get a pass. I have no idea. But a former member of Antifa, Gabriel Nadalis, weighed in, cut 13. The endgame for Antifa can vary by collective by collective, but there is always this overarching, like, anti-fascism. But you have to ask yourself, what does anti-fascism mean? Well, when they define it, they don't mean Nazis. They don't mean KKK. They mean basically Western ideals as well as democracy itself. They don't like the Democratic Party. They don't like the Republican Party. They want to destroy America. And they do, and they're trying, led by George Soros' money, the Antifa in the street, who's paying them? And the, I'm talking about him financing these liberal, these wildly left-wing DAs who think criminal first, no prison for anyone. Let's make every major city, Republicans and Democrat, most of which are Democrat, ungovernable. And that's exactly what he did. That combined with this, the anti-police attitude, it's almost as if someone's trying to destroy America from the inside. When we come back, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, we're going to go to the border. 36 known terrorists found already in 2023. Three years ago, there was zero for an entire year. And then we'll take your call, so stay aboard. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
I met with uh, Secretary Mayorkas a little over a week ago, and we sat down, and one of the things that I asked him for, that Border Patrol agents that I represent have asked me for, was get them out of the processing business and get them back into the field so they can stop bad guys. It's important that governing conservatives push the administration to sit down and have a conversation. We can't just throw bombs and, and, and expect changes. We have to force them to have a change. I would think so, and that is Tony Gonzalez, one of the guys that really makes sense of the border, uh, common sense Republican. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director, joins us now. Uh, Colonel, so we sat down with Mayorkas, but he's not doing anything. Now, even in uh, Arizona, they're taking up the storage containers. People are beginning to flood in at an all-time record rate. And 36 known terrorists on the terror watch list have come in already in January. Yeah, it's good to be with you, Brian. And just think about the recent reports about the illegal immigrants that were uh, brought up to New York City, and they just robbed, what, $12,000 from a Macy's. We have an incredible problem here, and I think that when you look at Arizona, uh, Governor Ducey should have told the uh, president, no, I'm not taking down the boxcars because I have a responsibility to protect the people and the citizens there in Arizona. But he's gone. Same here in Texas. Now you have Katie Hobbs, who inexplicably got elected. Oh, yeah. And you know she's going to play right along with the uh, with the Biden rules and have an open border. But we need to do the same here. And when you travel along the border here in Texas, you will see a lot of those border, uh, you know, control points and things of that nature. There's no one there because all of these folks have been pulled out to go and do processing and basically do daycare for grownups and adults down there along the border. So we have created a wide open uh, system, and that's why. The cartels are able to transit people. And, you know, why are we shutting down these apps that uh, the cartels are using to get Americans to come down and ferry illegals out from the border zone? Uh, That would help. Uh, I want to pivot to schools if we can. And, you know, over in Florida where you used to be a congressman, uh, the president, the, the governor there is cracking down on this woke America, at which time they don't want to be teaching history, which is going to get left wingers in Black Lives Matter telling the tale, using them, telling the tale of racial relations in America, which is not a great story. Here's Ron DeSantis on, on the cracking down on what's happening and other topics. Cut 31. Having sexualized topics injected into school curricula, particularly with very young kids in like elementary school, teaching a, a first grader, well, you know, you may have been born a boy, but maybe you're really a girl. The fact that the legislation said a flat ban on any of the sexual instruction in an elementary school but then above that, any everything's got to be age appropriate. And I would argue it's never appropriate to be telling a school kid that they were born in the wrong body. That's just not, not appropriate. So what we did is we leaned into it. We called out the media when they were mischaracterizing it. So we made sure that we stood up for the folks. Right. Uh, so that's this big thing. We have a special on Fox Nation this week with Pete Hegseth. It's going to be on a different hour. Uh, today, though, uh, just talking about this whole big push now to have your chance to make your choice for school. So you grew up, you picked this great house in this neighborhood. It turns out the school's not good. Your kid's not happy. You're, not, you're seeing the homework. You're not happy. But you don't have the extra money to go to private education. Well, in Arizona, until Katie Hobbs reverses it, soon in Iowa uh, and in other states, you're able to make your choice. You get the $10,000. You give that money from the public education to the private school. That's called competition. Cut 32. Bill Barr weighed in with Bill Maher. 
I believe there is systemic racism in the United States, and it's embodied in the public school system. It's a shameful thing what's happening in our inner cities, because this is the way out. Good education is the way out uh, of poverty. And, you know, they'll put a Black Lives Matter poster in front of their house and make themselves feel great. Okay, but will they lift a finger to allow the inner city kids to have the same opportunity for education that their kids have? They can afford private school tuitions, or they can afford zip codes that have really good schools. We can't keep on going down this progressive agenda, which is all about tearing down existing convention, values, and systems. Exactly. Uh, so let's go to the phones now. We're talking about the documents as well as what's happening in schools, uh, and the border will do that shortly. But, Colonel, when you look at uh, what these guys are talking about with school choice, do you see that being something you could sign on to? Well, of course. I've always been a big proponent of that, and education freedom is the civil rights issue of our current generation. Look, I grew up in the old Fourth Ward neighborhood, you know, right there downtown Atlanta, same neighborhood that gave us Dr. King, Malu King Jr., and my parents did not send me to the uh, public schools that were there. They sent me to Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic School, which is located right across the street from Ebenezer Baptist Church. The good quality education is how you open the doors of equality of opportunity. And when you look at what is happening in our schools, especially inner city schools, we're sending our kids back. And if you want to understand something, education can become a national security issue because I guarantee you in China and some of these other competitive nations, they're not talking about critical race theory. They're not talking about transgenderism, sexualization of children. They're getting back to the basics, reading, writing, math, science, all of these type of things that prepares their kids for the future generation. I, I just don't understand what would happen in Arizona. Iowa is now moving to the school choice model. I hope I hope other other states are going to it. Uh, it would certainly be important. So when you when you talk about uh, what is happening in in other states, you just talked about what we were just discussing before, and and that is, um, and that is what's going on with this uh, 2024 election. Yesterday we had Mike Pompeo in, uh, Nikki Haley the mm-hmm. week before in special report. It looks as though Mike Pence is going to run. These are all allies of President Trump. What do you think that does to the Republican Party? Well, it's going to be a very interesting uh, debate cycle, and it's still early. But right now, it seems that you know President Trump has declared, without a doubt, uh, former Ambassador Haley, former Vice President Pence, and former uh, CIA uh, Director uh, Pompeo are probably going to get in there. And I think that at some point in time, you'll see Governor DeSantis, and there's even talk about Governor Asa Hutchinson out of Arkansas. So there will be a lot of well-experienced uh, people, and also people talking about Senator Tim Scott. But I think the bottom line is that who is going to stand up and be the best deliverer of the message of the American First policies, but also has the image and shows the the resilience to be focused and be disciplined in delivering that message and not get sidetracked and not get taken down the uh, rabbit hole of, of creating drama. Right. So here's what Mike Pompeo said, who, if you read his book, I mean, there's there are things he, he could understand the president when the president would come out and say, get out of Afghanistan. He wouldn't overreact, come down and say, listen, this is the problem. When he'd say, pull everybody out of Syria and say, Mr. President, here's the problem. They would compromise. Other people would go and run to the Washington Post and tell the story. So uh, let's listen to what Mike Pompeo said yesterday. You can't look in the rearview mirror and you can't just tweet. 
You, you have but you to, do after-action reports. You, yeah, the, the, the lesson is the candidates who were successful presented an articulate, forward-looking vision for what they want for America. This is what I want it to look like, and this is how I'm going to go do it. They didn't just, just badmouth Joe Biden or their opponent. They talked about, if, if you elect me, what, here are what, the five what, things I'm going to go do. And those folks succeeded, and the folks who said... Uh, you know, boy, that well, we got we got we got messed with in the 2020 election, and these folks are bad. If that was just your message, you, you didn't get the voters you Obviously. needed. So he, you hear what he's saying there. I mean, that you get in the sense of how they're going to run. Yeah, the thing is, you have to talk about what you're for, not just what you're against. And of course, you have to make the comparative analysis and assessment by saying this is what's going wrong with our economy. But then you got to quickly transition and talk about this is how we rectify. This is the solution. This is how we get ourselves back on track. And the most important thing, Brian, is that you can't go out there talking in PhD level political speak. You got to talk to Joe and Jane Sixpack. You got to talk to everyday Americans and get them to understand because these issues are hurting everyday Americans. And so you want to be the topic at their kitchen table, and you want to present language that they can completely and easily understand. Do you think that Mike Pompeo was talking above their heads? Is that what you were uh, indicating? He, he, he has a tendency to do so. You know, Mike and I came into Congress at the same time. He was top graduate at West Point. You know, sometimes you got to go in there and just talk like you're speaking to, you know, all of the young enlisted soldiers in your unit, not that you're talking to all of the upper-ranking officers. Understood. Lastly, Antifa tried to burn down Atlanta because they were building a yeah. cop academy. Uh, what are they doing? What are they up to? The former member of Antifa was on yesterday on our channel, Cut 13. His name is Gabriel Nadalis. The endgame for Antifa can vary by collective by collective, but there is always this overarching like anti-fascism. But you have to ask yourself, what does anti-fascism mean? Well, when they define it, they don't mean Nazis. They don't mean KKK. They mean basically Western ideals as well as democracy itself. They don't like the Democratic Party. They don't like the Republican Party. They want to destroy America. And that's all I could get. These are a bunch of rich white kids uh, who feel entitled and want to wreck stuff. And they and they get bailed out every time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it is time we had more uh, elected officials, you know, such as Governor Brian Kemp. He should declare Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization and go after them as such. I find it unconscionable that we have uh, people going out and, and burning down pro-life centers. We are arresting all types of people, like, you know, declaring Paris as domestic terrorists and is showing up at school board meetings. But people that are going out burning down property, shooting police officers, we can't declare them as domestic terrorists. Unbelievable. Thanks so much, uh, Alan West. Thank you. You got it. Always a pleasure. Go get them, Brian. I'm going to go I'm gonna go get them. You do, you do the same. When we come back, I'm going to go get the callers, 1-866-408-7669. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Those of us who are good cooks, you know, people don't realize electric stoves can't give you the right setting when you are cooking something that's, uh, you know, if you're a good cook. You know, I'm a good cook, and that electric stove just doesn't, it doesn't cook for me. You need gas stoves enough. Governor Hochul has a gas stove. They're going to force smaller businesses and new homes 
to only build electrical uh, ovens. What is wrong with these people? That's never going to fly. And when you started reacting and saying that, people say, well, you're overreacting. No, this is things that are in motion. They say crazy stuff, and next thing you know, it's normal stuff. Crazy stuff. No more selling gas cars in a couple of years in California. That'll never happen. That's happening. No more building new gas station in California. That's happening. So that was uh, Mayor Eric Adams. So let's get to Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Unplugged. Reclaim your privacy from big tech snooping with Unplugged. Visit Unplugged.com. All right, here we go. Jeff Bezos may sell the Washington Post to buy the Washington Commanders. The problem is Dan Snyder, the current owner, still mad at him for the series of stories they say exposes the alleged toxic management culture on the team. He thinks it's a big move by Bezos overall to get him out of the football business and let him buy the commanders. So it might be a personality thing, but Bezos certainly has the money. Tom Brady, are you retiring or not? Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to f***ing do, I'd have already f***ing done it, okay? I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> you're scratching. It's only like the question scratchy. that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. Scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you. Right. Uh, word is, he's going to go back to the Bucks, but he wants to play. The 45-year-old quarterback uh, looked fine. Uh, I think he was second or third in over total yards for quarterbacks. I think he missed some throws, but I also think that he wasn't all in. The personal problems, not going to training camp, disappearing in the middle of the year to go to a wedding. That doesn't help Tom Brady. We'll see where he ends up. Next, Oscar nominations. Uh, it looks like these names are these speculated. These are the official nominations that came out. All right, I'll give you a couple of them. I'll just give you Best Picture and and Best Best Picture and uh, Actor. Uh, Best Picture, All Quiet on the Western Front, Netflix. Number two, Avatar, The Way of Water. Banshees of whatever it's called in Searchlight. Elvis, which was great. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. No idea what that is. The Fablemans, which I saw, was average at best. Uh, Tar, don't have any idea what that is. Top Gun was good. I don't think it was great. Triangle of Sadness, Woman Talking. What's significant? Top Gun actually got a big box office and made the nomination list. I think that's cool. Actor, Austin Butler and Elvis, of course. Colin Farrell, Banshees of something. Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Everyone loves the fact that he played a fat guy. Paul Mescal in After Sun. Bill Knightley in Living. So congratulations to everybody. It's an honor just to be nominated. Next, a giant iceberg. If you're in Britain, uh, listen up. A uh, giant iceberg the size of London is broken off uh, of Antarctica's ice, shell, Antarctica's ice shelf. It could be coming here. Uh, it's the size of London, 150 meters thick. Uh, it broke off an ice shelf. It sh- it's finally ca- uh, caved from giant cracks, which spread across the ice shelf. The new iceberg, which is yet to be named, broke free on late Sunday. Sorry for not telling you earlier. The iceberg measures 1,555 square kilometers. Scientists have been monitoring the growth of vast cracks. For a while. So if you're a scientist, you have one less crack to look at. Next, public e-bikes and e-scooters up to 58,000 times filthier than toilets. Researchers looking at the amount of bacteria covering public transportation options say the typical public e-bike scooter is also carrying thousands times more germs. Something to keep in mind. Plus, it's not exercise. Buses and trains aren't any cleaner. For people who take the train, avoid heavy holding the subway handles. Researchers say commuter trains carry seven times the bacteria of a typical toothbrush holder. Wow. Uh, Good luck with that. Plus, if you're on the subway, I think the least thing you have to worry about is germs on the handle. 
Especially Jeremy in New York. somebody's fist on Exactly. Next. Helping dogs comes naturally to children. Uh, a study shows children between two and three years old are twice as likely to help a dog get their paws on a treat or toy if the animal shows interest. These results come from experiments conducted at the University of Michigan Child Laboratory uh, between 2015 and 2010. All right. Uh, this is fascinating. I am so glad the University of Michigan is helping America. Um, and lastly... The five best dog bones for 2023. Here they are. Uh, number five is greenies. I've had them. Not personally, but I give them to my dogs. Benabone wishbone dur- durable dog chew. Congratulations, you're number four. Purina busy bone dog chew. That means they can chew it a while. I love the idea of a long chewing bone. Uh, blue buffalo dental bones is number two. I never heard of it. And Nylabone Healthy Edibles, which is good because I hear rawhide is not good. What do your dogs uh, have? Whatever I give them, I don't really know. But that Nylabone looks familiar. I just look for something that's not rawhide. I hear that's bad for them. Hey, let me squeeze in a couple of calls. Gordon in Nebraska. Hey, Gordon. I grabbed my pistol. Stepped outside and said, well, I hope I... James in Florida. Hey, James. Brian, uh... I have to admit, every president that I know of has taken documents for their legacy. My question to you is this. What is the correct protocol of transferring documents from a uh, library so that they'll have the correct procedure? And I'll hang up and listen to your response. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, We know already Barack Obama, Obama. evidently, if we're to believe him, they went up to the – they went up to the archives and said, listen, these are the documents I was hoping to get to be able to stock our library. And however they decided what was allowed or not, I don't think it's favoritism. He was able to take it. I'm not sure how many classified documents he had that no one knows of. But on the surface, he went up and asked. Trump, chaotic after January 6th, chaotic because he didn't go to the inaugural, chaotic because he said he, he, did, he, he was robbed from the election. He told the guys, grab everything you can, leave it, put it on the helicopter. We'll sort it out when we get back. Uh, Joe Biden has got no excuses. This stuff is all over the place through his entire record from VP to Senate. And who knows what he took as president. That's not done yet. He's in trouble. Don't let anyone kid you. Big trouble. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're so glad you're here. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. Senator Rick Scott at the bottom of the hour. Uh, is he running for president? Varney and company a simulcast. Is Stuart Varney going to run for president? No, he cannot. So let me answer that question. He was He's a naturalized citizen, so he will not run for president. Uh, Pete Hegseth could very well do that. He'll be joining me in a few minutes. Maybe he's got a big announcement. Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley seem on the cusp of doing just that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You run for office in 2024. You going to run as a Democrat? Chuck, I haven't made a decision what I'm going to do in 2024. I've got two years ahead of me now to do the best I can for the state and for my country. Second thoughts in getting crowded. Biden's re-election campaign launch may be stuck on the tarmac, as are his problems, and they are mounting. Trump book's finally ready to hit the road. While the list of friends turned competitors grow, we'll examine... 
Number two. The endgame for Antifa can vary by collective by collective, but there is always this overarching like anti-fascism. When they define it, they don't mean Nazis, they don't mean KKK, they mean basically Western ideals as well as democracy itself. That's Gabriel Nadalis. He used to be in Antifa, and man, they attacked again over the weekend. Uh, rich white kids creating havoc in major cities from Portland to Atlanta to Boston. How is this? How is this anything less than terrorism? Number one. When you found out that the FBI had located even more classified materials in Wilmington, which four-letter word did you use? <laughs> oh my goodness, Peter. Oh, my goodness, Peter. No good answers. Classified documents found in three locations in five separate searches on the president's office and his homes dating back as many as 20 years. Meanwhile, the Republican House is getting stonewalled in their quest for answers. And just let me tell you, too, a lot of people can't listen to the show live. If you want to get the podcast, just go to BrianKilmeadShow.com, wherever you get podcasts. Um, millions of downloads, so we pre- uh, appreciate that. You, know, you can be one of them. So let's begin on what we know. We know this about between 25 and 30 documents that have been taken from various locations around Joe Biden that he owns or rents uh, that he never should have had. Everyone agrees with that. What they say and what they reveal, uh, is there any rhyme or reason for it or is it just pure sloppiness? And if it was taken out of his Senate days, that means you pretty much got to do a Sandy Berger and jam it down your socks or your pants. Why would you do that? What was so important that you had to take that? You just get bored on your Amtrak ride home from Washington, D.C., and just want to pass the time? I think it neutralizes, number one, Donald Trump, any type of persecution there. Also, we're about to find out from Donald Trump, too, are they going to move forward uh, with any type of investigation as it relates to Georgia and manipulation of elections? Uh, We'll see where that goes. If Trump can beat both those things in the next few weeks, man, he'll be doing a lot better than he was about a month ago when the world seemed to be, as CNN says every day, closing in. But about the disparity between the two, one thing no one brings up is that when the archives came down and said, hey, Mr. President, you're in Mar-a-Lago now. You have some documents you never should have taken. And he handed over 16 boxes. Then they said, we'd like more. They looked at them together, couldn't agree to give them back, so they locked them up. Then they have a subpoena. Trump thought they go negotiating. And in come the FBI. They take everything. They go through the entire house without anybody's permission, kind of forcing the lawyers to stand outside. Here is, uh, here's Trey Gowdy. On the difference. Cut eight. When you give consent to search, you can put restrictions on that consent. So I think what I hear you asking is, why did you do a consent search? Why not go get a search warrant? Not get a, why not get a subpoena? I mean, why are you asking for consent if you... We're talking about two separate issues. Possession of government property, whether it's classified or not. You, you can't have government property, even if it's not classified. Right and classified material, why are you asking permission to do this when you have probable cause to go search? And why are you waiting on Rehoboth? Why, why are you waiting now? We found him in the garage in Wilmington, found it inside, found six more documents in a 13-hour invasion over the weekend with permission. What are you waiting for? Now, do you think that if Joe Biden be willing to have the audacity to take classified documents as a senator, you think he would hesitate to get rid of it as a president? Brian Claypole, cut nine. If there's gross negligence here, then he can he could still be indicted, not likely to be indicted. But why is that important? Because it gets to your point. He should never have had any of these documents in the first place. That is uh, the criminal defense attorney. I don't see him being indicted, but it's a joke. And I'm thinking about that Marine family or that na- naval officer's family who knows that they had to pay all this money to get a defense attorney for their son who just wanted to take a picture in a, uh, on a submarine 
and they revealed some sophisticated instruments, and the guy went to jail. Compare that to this. John Ratcliffe, cut number nine. Six. Unlike uh, members of the executive branch, unlike presidents and vice presidents, um, secretaries of state who routinely handle classified documents are authorized not just to access them, but to keep them and even to transport them. As DNI, I transported classified documents to Capitol Hill, to the White House all the time. There's always opportunities for there to be an inadvertent mistake. That is not possible with members of Congress. With senators, uh, there is no congressman or senator that has anything other than accessing a classified skiff in part of their oversight role. So the only way a document gets in a senator's home is if someone took it willfully, intentionally, deliberately. So, um, uh, you know, there is no inadvertent mistake when it comes to members of Congress having classified documents. And the thing I would add to John Ratcliffe, which just makes one speculate, are you just taking these randomly, stuff that we all would say should be top secret, maybe the highest level, or is it play to getting information to people when you're trading on the family name and the access? Does it play into some of these international business deals that Hunter's on? And I ask you, why would you take notes, daily planners, uh, his personal notes too? Why would you take his schedule? If it didn't relate, surrounding documents relating to the documents they uncovered. So if let's say you have information about a certain leader having an affair and the notes around that leader have nothing to do with it, would you take those notes? I don't see why. They're not classified. Why would you take them? Why did they take everything that they took? Because I think they found something. And what didn't they find and what has been moved? And it's been brought up by you guys, the emailers. Why aren't you for searching Jim's home and his other brother's home? Why are we not finding out what's in Hunter's home? Do they have classified documents? Because that would blow the doors off this whole thing. This guy does not run for president. If they find classified documents in his brother's house, believe me, it would be impossible. When we come back, I'll take some of your calls. At the bottom of the hour, Senator Rick Scott joins me of the direction of the Senate. And can they convince Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema to be a faction and just get along with Republicans? Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Having sexualized topics injected into school curricula, particularly with very young kids in like elementary school, teaching a a first grader, well, you know, you may have been born a boy, but maybe you're really a girl. The fact that the legislation said a flat ban on any of the sexual instruction in an elementary school, but then above that, any everything's got to be age appropriate. And I would argue it's never appropriate to be telling a school kid that they were born in the wrong body. That's just not, not appropriate. So what we did is we leaned into it. We called out the media when they were mischaracterizing it. So we made sure that we stood up for the folks. Uh, that is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis pushing back against the uh, critical race theory and the African-American studies in Florida all part of some of the topics and reason why Pete Hexath is uh, hosting, who's co-host of the weekend show, uh, Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation, and host of the Miseducation of America, season two. Uh, Pete, welcome back. Ron DeSantis is singing your song, isn't he? 
He sure is. And he's featured in season two of Miseducation as well uh, throughout and, and most predominantly in the fifth episode where we talk about solutions. We are in a really bad place when it comes to our classroom. And Ron DeSantis just laid that out. And the series and the book sort of try to make sure parents understand the depth of the problem. But fighting back requires just a stiff backbone to say, like, no, we're not going to sexualize kids. No, we're not going to become racist suddenly in the name of anti-racism. We need to cleanse this, take this out of our schools, teach real history, Brian, the type you talk about, the good, the bad, the ugly, the reality, uh, and focus kids on achieving instead of indoctrination because that's the point that we're at. So it's past the wake-up time, uh, wake-up call time. Now it's action time, and it's great to see Governor DeSantis leading the way. So, I mean, uh, on surface, people are putting up the opposite argument. So you come up with African-American studies, it's a fascinating history, anthropology. People say, well, that's boring. Not really. Study of cultures and language, not boring. You could apply that to different things. So African-American studies, Hispanic studies, you want to do that? That could be an area of expertise for you if you want to major in that. So why are you teaching in schools? Well, how are you teaching it is key. For example, if you have left-wingers and people say Black Lives Matter and sing the praises without teaching about Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, and others, and you give both shies for every uh, Al Sharpton, there's a Shelby Steele. That's showing you the deep thinkers of their time, uh, the W.E.B. Uh, du Bois, as well as Booker yep. T. Washington. So you get different perspectives. You say, well, here's what's going on. This was kind of ugly, but this was the view of one person. That's called education as opposed to indoctrination and persuasion. That's not what you're looking to do, right? No, and you're exactly right. These departments have devolved into sort of left-wing gazing, navel-gazing activism. Um, it's, it's see, their critique would be, well, the history department or the Western civilizations department, that might as well be the white studies department. Uh, and as a result, we need a separate. And, and what I think it should be is, no, neither is a race based department. Let's take the best of all cultures. And we uh, we do live in Western civilization. So we should study our history and the people who our founders studied in order to create this American experiment. But then let's also be honest about you know, what happened with Native Americans, how, you know, the history of slavery in America. We can do all that without having to create siloed departments that really become um, the, the petri dishes of critical theory or critical race theory. And then you're pumping out kids mm. who only see the world through the lens of race. And that's not helpful for anybody. So one thing that I thought was so important for the Virginia story and why everyone should pay attention that doesn't live in Virginia. I think it's happening everywhere. They took people who had earned Merrick scholarships who just a flat-out numbers game. They outstudied, they outworked. Yeah, they might have been brighter, but you just become top of your class. You earn a merit scholarship. 50,000 kids get it, and then you don't give it to them. You don't tell them they won. They go to college in some cases. They don't get the money that they need. Why? It makes other people feel bad. If you want to hurt America, stop competing. Get America to stop competing and become Europe or Russia or, or some of these communist countries, Venezuela, that say to themselves, why do I need to work hard? I'm going to get the same pay anyway. And if you want to stop America from excelling, get them in school. So absolutely right, Brian. I mean, that's what the Marxists who came from the Frankfurt School, who invented critical theory, wanted. They wanted to destroy Western civilization and replace it with atheistic humanism and Marxism. And it started it evolved into what we now know as diversity equity and inclusion like anywhere you see dei you should run away run away because it is it's not doesn't make you not inclusive or tolerant 
or like diversity and equality, uh, none of that. It's, it's a total political scheme. And in this case, in the name of equity, principals, superintendents, and even teachers were willing to withhold merit scholarships to successful students in the name of equity? That's how ugly this philosophy is. And uh, good for Youngkin to, to call it out, but think about how far we are where you have to craft a bill that tells schools they have to give awards to kids. I can't believe this. I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, it's unbelievable that you have to do that. Um, imagine if uh, the other guy, McAuliffe, got elected. So the Miseducation of America Season 2, more on education. Bill Maher brought it up on his show, Cut 33. Anything to do with schools or education is something really the Democrats have to answer for because they control it. What's going on in the schools is outrageous, and somebody needs to answer for it. That's Bill Maher. <laughs> That's Bill Maher. He's taking the slowest, biggest red pill in history, uh, pointing out to fellow liberals what insanity really looks like. I mean, it's true. You're transitioning the gender of kids and not telling parents. Um, you're a little bit off track of your mission. Or you're telling kids who've never been slave owners and never been slaves that they need to pay for the sins of the past? That's racism. Uh, and he's pointing out that only one – and he's, he, he's confirming the thesis of my book, Brian, and the thesis of Miseducation of America on Fox Nation right now, uh, that ultimately uh, he, this is a takeover of people of an education system uh, that is controlled completely by the left and by Democrats. They, if there's a problem, they own it because they control every part of it. So a little bit more, Pete. I want you to hear what else Bill Maher had to say. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco actually had it in a stand-up, too, the special that's out now. Let's listen. Teaching a kindergartner that you could identify as a tree, tell something like this to a kindergartner, or that boys can menstruate, it's got to be... How how can it process that when you're that age? I've seen it in South Carolina even, where they're bragging about their children at four or five or six transitioning, and I'm like... What are you talking about? And I think yeah. the Biden administration is all in on that. Yeah. Where on earth did that come from? Uh, and right. who, who told us it was going to be imposed on children? So some of the idiocy that's out there, that is just, I mean, where did this come from? In just 10 years, Brian. I mean, in just 10 years, uh, where did it come from? Watch episode one and episode two of The Miseducation of America. It was zoologists sexologists and perverts uh, who invented the idea of gender. Gender is a made-up concept. And if you don't use biological sex and instead you focus on gender, now you get out of, you get out of the binary choice of male-female and onto a sliding spectrum of gender, gender, which is a graduate-level thesis idea, but now we're, we're telling six-year-olds to figure out where they are in the gender spectrum, which was made up, again, to begin with. So it came and, – and, and you know, the, the, you know, Alfred Kinsey and guys like this who made it, they were absolute perverts, like pedophiles. And they, they, sexu- they wanted to sexualize kids and believe kids were sexualized beings from the beginning. And they passed it as academic, or as academic research, and it's not. So, I mean, Miseducation of America Season 2, the first couple episodes cover this stuff, and it'll open your eyes. Like, none of this is innocent. None of this is an attempt to, you know, help kids. It's an agenda that's been pushed for a long time. Here is Bill Barr from your series, from your special, Cut 32. I believe there is systemic racism in the United States, and it's embodied in the public school system. It's a shameful thing what's happening in our inner cities, because this is the way out. Good education is the way out uh, of poverty. And, you know, they'll put a Black Lives Matter poster in front of their house and make themselves feel great. 
Okay, but will they lift a finger to allow the inner city kids to have the same opportunity for education that their kids have? So that's it. Final thought on that, Pete? Bill Barr was so good. We had so many great episode, uh, guests on this episode. Laura Ingram was there, Bill Barr, Ron DeSantis, Douglas Murray, um, and many more that are, are Charlie Kirk. So top minds on education, uh, laying, it, laying it bare for us and uh, trying to make sure parents are just aware of what's going on. Fox Nation, check it out. Brian, like you, I was proud of the work they do over there, and, and I hope folks will check it out. Yeah, it's also playing off your books and your, and your passion. You're not just fronting this. You live this, and, and you actually did that with your own family and, and reacted to what our school system's done. Pete, I'll see you on Fox and Friends. Is that okay? You got it, Brian. See All you right. soon. Pete Hegseth, uh, check out The Miseducation of America, Season 2 on Fox Nation, available right now. Senator Rick Scott, also available in four minutes. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to f***ing do, I'd have already f***ing done it, okay? I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> you're scratching. It's only the question scratchy. that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. Scratchy. <laughs> I appreciate your asking. Thank you. No, he doesn't. Uh, Tom Brady on Let's Go with uh, Jim Gray. Uh, they do it every Monday. And now that his season's over, everyone wants to know if the 45-year-old is going to call quits and go to the booth because he looks like he still play. I'm not sure he's the same quarterback, but he doesn't look unathletic. He does not look old. You know, whether the touch pass, whether the protection, I'm not sure. The protection certainly wasn't there this year. The question is, Tom Brady, the most high-profile athlete maybe in the world, certainly in the United States, Still got more football to play at 45 years old. The question is, will he go to a team that's ready to win? Raiders and Dolphins are seem to be two of the front runners. And then um, I believe that uh, McCourty, a former New England Patriots, said, why don't we just both go back to New England? I don't see that happening. They have two young quarterbacks. I don't see them, even though Kraft loves them, uh, helping anybody for him to go back and take the third year from their starting quarterback. He'll be his third year in the league. So I would think that he's going to go – Maybe to Las Vegas, and maybe, I don't see him going to San Francisco, because even though he grew up there, they got at least two quarterbacks. Uh, Brock Purdy hasn't lost yet, and uh, their starter went down, and technically Garoppolo is still around, although I think he'll end up with the Jets or somebody else. So that's the bigger question. And then Tom Brady, who thanked the press with the Bucks and said what a great organization is, but you get the sense he just doesn't want to go back there because the team said seems to be heading in a totally different direction. If you had a chance to watch over the weekend, there was one good game, and it was the one I thought for sure would be a blowout. As much as I love the Jaguars, I did not think they were in the same league as the Chiefs. Man, was I wrong. If there wasn't for that fumble on the six by Agnew, they were going in to tie that game again. And with uh, Patrick Mahomes with a high ankle sprain but still wants to play this weekend, uh, we'll talk about that with Stuart Varney shortly. And that's a little better about the football. I don't remember any time in which more people talked about the playoffs. We'll be at the, uh, at, uh, in Arizona at the Super Bowl that Friday. This show will be. And then we'll be on a Monday again. And over the weekend, I'll be doing the bulk of the coverage for everybody that uh, shows up. We're not having a huge presence there at Fox, even though it's a Fox Super Bowl. Maybe the next one in Las Vegas uh, will kind of be out of the, recep- uh, uh, out of the, uh, the recession. And then maybe we'll have a different approach. We'll see. I guess Rick Scott is late, which makes me think 
that we should pivot to over what happened over the weekend with Antifa. Uh, the Georgia district attorney has just announced that the six rioters who were um, arrested on Saturday night uh, for basically creating havoc in and around this police training center have been charged with terrorism. And you know what they should say? Antifa members, just like you say, proud boys every other minute or oath keepers every other day. These guys are members of Antifa more than just an idea. This is a coordinated attack plan. Most people watching the stream were struck by how coordinated and organized they were. These guys and women in masks, almost all from rich backgrounds, think they want to create havoc as anarchists in this country. I'll give you some of their names. They arrested 22-year-old Francis Carroll, already on bail for terrorism, the son of a multimillionaire. Uh, Police car was set on fire, as I mentioned. They seem extremely organized by all accounts. This other guy's name... Um, was also uh, out there in front. His name is Ivan Ferguson, a top-level musician of esteemed quality. Believe it or not, he plays the clarinet. Seemed to have been radicalized. Emily Murphy, a middle-class kid who began um, uh, who began as uh, chairman of the Al Gore Climate Reality Project and decided to be better off focusing on Antifa. Who wouldn't? There's Madeline Heary. Uh, she is from a wealthy Portland family. And an Oberlin graduate, they really put out balanced students. And meanwhile, Catherine Clark, who's a administration uh, by a member of the Biden administration, non-binary child named Riley Dow, arrested in Boston on Saturday for spray painting a landmark and then assaulting an officer who tried to get uh, her him to stop. Judge Jeanine Pirro was on last night with Sean Hannity. And from the legal perspective, forget about the emotional perspective, describe what's going on here. Cut 15. They are now redefining violence, as that gentleman on CNN was saying. It's not violence if it's just a building. Well, I looked up the word. Violence is destruction or some kind of an attack on a person or a thing. Uh, They even want to change the language. They've defunded the police. They've demoralized the police. And the shame of what happened in Atlanta, someone from there shoots a cop. And that's what started the whole thing. So the cops shot back defending themselves. They turn it into police violence. These people are absolute anarchists. They believe in chaos. They believe in the takedown of America. If they can commit a crime against America, they will do it. Wow. It's hard to it's hard to argue with that. Uh, That's what we're seeing. But where do they go? Where do they go for three years or two years since Biden took over? Remember, they were everywhere over in Portland, Seattle. Then they seem to have gone and there's still riots and they've destroyed those cities. But they're not out there. Why? Because they got their man as president of the United States. And there's no public sentiment to defund the police. Ask the group of mayors who was in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, led by uh, Mayor Adams. Defund the police is one of the stupidest things ever. You heard James Carville say the same thing. Not that everyone believes it. Cory Bush won. Defund the police. Reimagine them, says Elon Omar. Me imagine. So 2024 is, hmm, let me see, the real... I guess they're going to be running hard over the summer, maybe after Labor Day. But there's people getting in. It looks like the former president of the United States is going to have, be in Iowa. He's going to be in New Hampshire. And then he's going to have an event in South Carolina in a week. Mike Pompeo was on with me yesterday. He's got a brand-new book out, like Mike Pace, wants to create some, uh, take some tough questions and start laying the groundwork to see the level of interest, how he handles some of the questions with the mass media. So I asked him about running for president. And I also let him hear what Donald Trump said if some of the people in his cabinet that served so efficiently ran. Listen to what he said. Cut 17. 
Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run, so we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay, too. So you, you've heard that before? I have heard that before. Uh, I, I never said I wouldn't run. Uh, all, it doesn't matter who else gets in the race. Uh, Susan and I are praying and thinking about whether to get in uh, the race. Uh, and I, in a book, and Never Given Inch, I talk about how you should focus on the things that matter. America. It's not about me. It's not about Donald Trump. It's not about any of these other people. It's about can you deliver for America? Uh, and when the president talks about being disloyal, I think he just misunderstands. Uh, the, the loyalty is to your obligation to the country. It's your duty to the nation. That's how he views it. A West Point grad, Secretary of State, uh, CIA director on the House Select Committee on Intelligence. Uh, did it for a bunch of terms. Obviously, when you go to West Point, you serve in the military. He's got a. Uh, I think he's got a lot of people that support him. It's going to be very interesting to see if he can go up there on the stage and we have a cerebral debate. Those are the type of debates that he would do well at. The flamboyant theoretical debate. Mike Pompeo will not excel. That's just not him. So the other question of behind the scenes, it's in Mike Pompeo's book that uh, as a loyalist, along with Nikki Haley, they thought um, that Nikki Haley's team thought and so did Jared Kushner thought that they'd be better off with a female on the ticket running for reelection. And there was a move behind the scenes, according to Mike Pompeo, to put Nikki Haley in and kick Mike Pence out. Was that have been the case? Did that actually happen? Here is Mike Pompeo. Cut for Cut 18. Not like Mike Pence, by the way, it would have been a, a politically a, a, a bad idea. Uh, and as I reflect back on it now, my, my problem and the reason I wrote about this was uh, that one of the challenges we had in the Trump administration is you had people working for President Trump who weren't on the team. I know. Who were about themselves and they thought they were more important than America. And with respect to Ambassador Haley, that's what I saw that day when Chief Kelly called me and told me that it happened. It's like, oh, my gosh, we, we've had this problem before. We need everyone putting their oar in the water going the same direction. So for me, this wasn't about politics. This was about mission. This was about delivering on behalf of President Trump and America. And I thought what Ambassador Haley was doing that day just was disconnected from that. So switching over to the Democrats. Uh, listen, uh, she, he wrote about that. Uh, Nikki Haley denies it. I'll play a little of our denial. Uh, I am a fan of both. Cut 20. What do you say to Kellyanne Conway on her recollection of this? I I literally did not speak with anyone in the administration about that at all. It was gossip. Mike Pence is my friend. It is gossip. It was never discussed. If somebody else discussed it, they certainly didn't discuss it with me. I mean, it's just gossip. This is all gossip. There's no truth to it. And Mike even says in his book, it's just gossip. So do you expect this to be kind of a bruising primary if you do get in? Listen, politics is a blood sport. It was a blood sport in South Carolina. It was a blood sport at the United Nations. There's there's nothing I can't handle. I mean, may the best woman win. We'll see. Whore man. Uh, so Joe Biden, who was about to launch and can clear the field, now maybe not so much. Joe Manchin, somebody who still hasn't decided if he could even support Joe Biden with or without the document scandal. Cut 24. Do you want President Biden to seek re-election? He have to make that decision. I think this, that's, that's a personal decision. And, and you haven't decided if he does, you're not ready to support him? I haven't decided on anything I'm going to do until I see what, what the lay of the land is going to be at that time. Because this country needs to unite. We need to come back together. We're not coming together. And it needs to bring somebody that can bring this country together. I think he's done a good job on so many factions mm-hmm. in so many areas. I think there's a lot more to be done. I think yeah, he's been yeah, listen, I, he's not going to bring the country together. Joe Manchin, people have brought up that maybe both parties dislike him. I think the American people wouldn't mind sitting somebody sitting on stage that was reasonable, that thought you should close the border, you should not tear apart defense, and you can't immediately transition the the economy to the green economy. Barney and Company next.
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, we're going to uh, talk to Stuart in a moment, but right when we're done, if you know the show, we have, when we get off the Fox Business Network, I'll be able to squeeze some calls in at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so that'll be great, and we'll have a chance to talk not only about what's happened with these stolen documents uh, or these misplaced documents, We'll talk a little bit Antifa and also have a sense of what's going on in 2024. I do think one of the first people uh, to get in uh, will be, I think, Rick Scott. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tim Scott got in a little bit later. So many people say, I'll get into the race if I get the money. So we'll talk about that in a second. So let's listen in. We're up eight points. 10.51 precisely. Here is Mr. Kilmeade himself. Brian, I want to talk football. We're down to the... (laughs) Which kind of football? Uh, NFL football. Uh, Your football, okay? We're down to the final four in the NFL season. The 49ers play the Eagles. The Bengals play the Chiefs. I think I've got that right. I want your Super Bowl predictions, Brian. Uh, Well, I think San Francisco is going to play Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, and I believe this will be the third time. Uh, And Cincinnati, I've never seen a team look so confident as the season went on. They didn't start off great but have gotten better every single day. And Burroughs might be the class of the league right now. And they didn't like the way they were been discounted all the way. And people were talking about Buffalo playing in a neutral site in Atlanta because of what happened with calling off that game because of the injury that happened in Buffalo. Now they're going to have a chance to play. Uh, they're going to have a chance to play not in a neutral site. So I think that'll be uh, great for them. And for San Francisco, I just think they're the most well-rounded team, the most organized team. I think they're good on both sides of the ball. And I just think that uh, they'll find a way to beat the Eagles. And I know that really uh, cuts the heart out of Eagle fans, but they've had enough, su- enough success over the years. Are you going to the Super Bowl this year? Uh, it's true, Stuart, and I'd, uh, I'll make myself available for you. We'll be doing this show, the radio show. We'll be doing Fox and & Friends, and I'll do One Nation on Saturday and contribute to the network. Uh, I'm going to drag Bill Hemmer there, of course, look to catch up to with uh, Gronkowski. We have other uh, special guests planned. Because it's a Fox Super Bowl, working? after all. But, but do you ever stop, for, stop working? Um, you consider that work? Go and cover the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun covering the story. I'll stop working, but I should be talking. You're in the same time as me every day. You just wear jeans into work, and you wear a suit <laughs> once you're on television. With That's me, true. I can only pick out one outfit a day. That's the main difference between us. Uh, I think there's a few others, by the way, but there you go. Don't you miss the World Cup and the excitement of Premier League soccer? I I think, number one, I'm fascinated by what's going on with the the men's team now as they try to pick a coach to get that national team back on track so they make a difference when it comes here in North America, which we'll be watching, probably powering around going to games. We'll be going from Mexico to Canada to, and staying in the U.S. watching games. I would not doubt, Stuart, that you asked me to go with you because you'll have the parking pass. Number two is we still have to pick a coach. The whole uh, the Reina situation with the Burr halters, uh, trying to get somebody in here to get us back. But what I'm fascinated at, I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, I am watching in prime time on network television, uh, I'm watching premier soccer. Yeah. I get, people are more into premier soccer now, that, and they're non-soccer players. Used yes. to be former soccer players, but the one now people are looking at just a sport that you watch. Yeah, and, I tell you, I sometimes sit, sit at a, at a sports bar, and I'm watching Premier League soccer. There's a whole bunch of guys also watching Premier League soccer, and they're all gambling at the bar. 
making bets as to what's the next play, where's the next goal coming from. That's brand new. I've never seen that before. Right. Uh, When you have, like, two goals a game and you're gambling on the game, it's pretty amazing. You do have to get into those... uh... Those other bets uh, to make it... Sarcasm, sarcasm, low form of wit. Now, one more for you. Uh, The New York Post suggests that Jeff Bezos could sell the Washington Post so he can buy the Washington Commanders. What do you make of that? Evidently, Daniel Daniel Snyder is mad at Jeff Bezos for running a series on how bad and toxic the environment was with the Redskins now that the Commanders and helped take him down and make him sell the team because they expose the horrible way in which they run that organization and the terrible way that Daniel Snyder treats people that work for him, who's also a multi-billionaire. So they, he feels as though even though Bezos would have the money, obviously, and would pass the background check among other owners, he might choose not to sell it to him. The question is, is there anybody else that's going to step up so he could choose to go around Bezos, who would then sell the Washington Post to somebody like Mike Bloomberg? But Bezos evidently let everybody know a week ago that he's laying people off at the Washington Post. So he's not the most popular guy around. And why not? You know, you have all these rich tech guys who want to do something. Uh, the NFL team is one of the most profitable things you can buy. So he would do it and have some good, have some fun and stay in Washington. So uh, it makes sense. But Daniel Snyder's pettiness might win out. Got it. Brian Kilmeade, always good. Thank you, Brian. Go get him. Talk to you Thanks, later. Thanks, Stuart. You got it. Uh, Tony, listening, list, uh, listening in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Tony. Hi, Brian. What's so, on your mind? Uh, I was, you know, I'm thinking about the whole Biden escapade and rounding everybody up. And the Intelligence Committee, Mr. Turner, had said, you know, he can think of no reason why he has it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him do a bit more with, with the Intelligence Committee in in directing the orchestrating the investigation. And I'm not sure what their boundaries are. Can you comment on that? Oh, a couple of things. They got to get some cooperation. They got to get some cooperation with the administration. They got to get some cooperation with uh, Secret Service. They got to get some cooperation uh, with the campaign when they uh, when they come into a campaign. They also got to have when the special prosecutor comes into play, they're going to have parallel investigations. So the one thing that's going to be interesting is we have all these Democrats on record expressing concern that the president did this and how wrong it was from Senator Dick Durbin to Senator Joe Manchin to, of all people, Adam Schiff say, yeah, it's really disturbing. You never should leave this. He's a classified documents. We don't know the details within him. So when the questions come up to the Biden people, how are they going to back off and act disinterested? So we might have some bipartisan disdain. They're going to bring Trump into the fray and Trump's been in the eye of the storm from day one. They raided over the summer. When they raided his Mar-a-Lago, and he's used to it, I'm not sure the Biden people are used to any tough questions at all. So listen, uh, keep in mind here: you can always get the podcast BrianKillMeShow.com. You download it wherever you get the podcast, where you feel mo- uh, most comfortable. This way, you can decide uh, when you're going to listen. If you can't listen live, we always want you as a member of the family of affiliates. And if you want to pick up any of my books, go to BrianKillMe.com. It goes to my local bookstore. I'm able to personalize and send out. Don't move. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, uh, Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, With me in studio is Janice Dean getting set uh, to talk to you out loud. Right now, we've killed her mic because we cannot trust her to talk. 
She'll talk over me. Uh, she wrote the book, I Am the Storm, inspiring stories of people who fight against overwhelming odds. And then bottom of the hour, Trey Gowdy, wearing an untucked shirt without the little emblem. I guess he could not get the sponsorship. He has, uh, it's called Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision Making. Look at this. Did you see this, Janice? It's Can I cool, talk right? Now? Doesn't he look good? Is that an untuck it shirt or right. just a shirt that's untucked? Good question. That's my first question out of the box. <laughs> Say that real quick. Or, an or untuck you... it shirt or a shirt untucked? Yeah, I'm not, not that it's tricky, just that no one would dare to say it. <laughs> so let, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You run for office in 2024. You going to run as a Democrat? Chuck, I haven't made a decision what I'm going to do in 2024. I've got two years ahead of me now to do the best I can for the state and for my country. No good answers. There you go. Second thoughts and getting crowded. Biden's re-election campaign launch may be stuck on the tarmac as his problems mount. And Donald Trump looks finally ready to hit the road uh, with his third go-around to be president of the United States. He's one for two. His list of friends turning competitors continues to grow. We'll examine. Number two. The endgame for Antifa can vary by collective by collective, but there is always this overarching, like, anti-fascism. When they define it, they don't mean Nazis, they don't mean KKK, they mean basically Western ideals as well as democracy itself. That's Gabriel Nadalis. He used to be a member of Antifa, and they are more than an idea, they are real. Antifa attack. Rich white kids creating havoc in major cities from Portland to Atlanta to Boston. How is this anything short of terrorism? Number one. When you found out that the FBI had located even more classified materials in Wilmington, which four-letter word did you use? <laughs> no good answer. Oh, my an- goodness, Peter. Right, no good answers. Classified documents found at three locations in five separate searches of the president's office and homes dating back as many as 20 years. Meanwhile, the Republican House is getting stonewalled in their quest for answers. Uh, Janice Dean joins us now. Janice, out of the three topics... I just gave you. Yeah. What intrigues you the most? The untuck it shirt. What do you mean? Uh, the Trey Gowdy, is that an untuck it shirt or a untucked shirt? To me, you know, do you ever hear the guy untuck it could talk about how he decided to do no. this? It was something he was worried about. Okay. He said he always would think to himself, is there a shirt right. that I could wear out that would be just the right length? As if this is, we got to cure polio. Right. And we, we only have so much time. But it's a big deal, but right? But then he did it. And you you wear it. Right. I wear it as much as I can. By the way, you need slim fit or I need to athletic fit because they're, they come out way too boxy. Are they wrinkled? If I don't iron it. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, so do you ever tuck it in and no. then untuck it? No, you can't do that. You have a little emblem on the side. Right. And my sense is... Uh, but what if you did tuck it? What if you look, tucked an untuck it in? People would know. <laughs> Everybody would know. <laughs> you have that little triangle at the bottom. Okay. What do you think? He looks I don't good, know. You're though. Have to, Doesn't he absolutely. Look he looks good on the front of his, his book. His book. Right. But you will not be introducing him at his book signing like you will at mine tomorrow night. Tell me what I'm in for. So you're going to come to Long Island University, your alma mater. Right. Which means I went there. Exactly. And it will be at the Roosevelt School. Do you know where that is? I sent well, you directions. I know roughly. There was no Roosevelt School when I was there. So <laughs> so that's new. I'll have to get you directions. Number 54 is the school number on the map. Okay. Okay, so, so you'll be there. I would like you to be there about 15 minutes before the event, before 7 o'clock, just really? to make sure 
I'm there. You're there. Right. And then we're going to have a great time. Fun is mandatory. And then you're going to talk a little bit about your book. Yes, of course. All right. You don't have to buy the book either. You have to register, though. So you go to theodoresbooks.com to register. And then once you register, you can get in. Yes, and it's free. You don't have to buy the book. But you should register. Yes. So we can run background checks on you. Well, I don't know about that, but just so they have a number count. Because now that they know you're coming, it'll be a full house. You think so? Yeah, because before you were announced, there was maybe 10 people coming. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be successful. How's the book doing first week? It's doing really well. Bestseller for Barnes & Noble and Amazon. You know, the Times list comes out this week. I don't know if I'm – the New York Times doesn't like me, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. No, they have to do book scan. I'm sure you'll be up there. Uh, The book is essentially – I want to get to the book in just one second, but I want to ask you something else you can relate to, and that's – Driving directions? Schools. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. So Bill Maher tends to lean left when it comes to some of the craziness in schools. Listen to what he said, cut, 30, 30, cut 33. Anything to do with schools or education is something really the Democrats have to answer for because they control it. What's going on in the schools is outrageous, and somebody needs to answer for it. And talk about the whole gender fluid yeah. stuff. It's have you worse. come across that with your children? They're in a Catholic school now, and I put them— Do you have a problem with any of the curriculum there? Not so far. Right. And we've been to wonderful plays. They celebrate Christmas. Um, <laughs> they celebrate the Bible. They have the the flag everywhere, Pledge of Allegiance. I'm really happy with our school. We actually put them in Catholic school, or at least Theodore went to Catholic school after the nonsense during the pandemic where he couldn't do the online learning. And so the public school, this was their deal. He just couldn't concentrate. He couldn't. It was, you know, and you have like 40 kids in the class trying to talk over the teacher. And it just was, he was having, you know, he was just not having a good day. And so I actually called the public school and said, can you send the homework home and I'll kind of homeschool them? They said, no, we're not going to do that. So then I started talking to other moms and the Catholic school in our neighborhood was closed one day during the pandemic. They made it work. Why? Why did the Catholic school make it work and the other public schools t- didn't work? Because you know why? You're paying tuition, and the tuition they said if they don't like the t- if they don't like the school they can go. That's why Iowa did this and Arizona did this and uh, some other states are make, giving you. The- I think it's $7,000. Right. So we were lucky we were able to do that. But we're supposed to care about the kids that are less fortunate. Aren't the Democrats supposed to care about them? Well, uh, to me, yeah. This should be school choice should be the ultimate equalizer. Right. But I think parents are getting more involved in their schooling. So I think that's a good thing. A couple of things. First off, on just a little of what this administration's doing with this trans montage. I want you to hear this. Cut 34. To our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. To parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. Can we let them hit puberty first? Is that amazing to you that we're I, talking about this? Even I, no, talking I can't. About this period? It's, an, it's, it's unbelievable. Can we just let them, you know, get to teenage years before they start deciding their gender? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I mean, what happened to tomboys? Remember? I wasn't a tomboy, but I had a lot of friends that were. You know, they like to dress up like boys. They play baseball. They had short haircuts. Right. But, but they, you know, 
they didn't want to become a man. It's a, I don't even know where this came from. Here's more from Bill Maher. Eric, you have that other cut, right? Teaching a kindergartner that you could identify as a tree? Tell this, something like this to a t- kindergartner yeah. or that boys can menstruate. It's got to be... It's, How how can it process that when you're that age? I've seen it in South Carolina even where they're bragging about their children at four or five or six transitioning. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I think the Biden administration is all in on that. Where on earth did that come from? Uh, And who who told us it was going to be imposed on children? And there are schools, by the way, that won't tell the parents if their kid wants to you know, identify as male or female or uh, it's it's unbelievable what's happening right now. And so, if you're a parent, you have to be involved in this. You so have to. Adam Klotz is somebody is a meteorologist. You're the senior meteorologist. He's been here for five years. So at one fifteen in the morning, he's going home in a subway and he sees one guy getting harassed. His hair was lit on fire. Not harassed, assaulted. This this elderly man was assaulted. He had his hair set on fire. So Adam walked over there and said, guys, not cool, and they attacked him. Mm-hmm. Here's what he said, cut 29. I mean, I want there to be something done. It's more like, why is the weather guy on the train trying to stop crime in the middle of the night? Like, where is Eric Adams? Where's the city? Why yeah. am I doing this? Yeah. Right. But why is it up to me? It infuriates me. You know, I got a call on the weekend after this happened, and I called him to see if he was okay. And I still think he's kind of in shock, to be honest. No with question. You, right? And now he wakes up. I talked to him this morning, and he is really, really in pain, a lot of pain. And these From guys. From his knee to his side, yes. bruised ribs, his head. And these guys got off free. I mean, I think that Adam now has the option he's to gotta. sue them. He's got to. He, he does. It really is important, I think. He made a stand and he told the world about what happened to him. But now it's important to take the next step. If the police aren't going to do anything because their hands are tied, then he's got to do something as a citizen to punish these kids. Because you know what, Brian? They got away with it. They're going to even escalate further. And there's a picture of one of the guys that did get away. Hopefully people understand it's $3,500 for you if you can identify who it is. And you got to think there's this, these guys are school age. You know, Adam says they're children. They're big teenagers, yeah. and there's eight of them. You have no shot unless you're Tyrus against eight teenagers. So here's where Mayor Garrick Adams got this, got that question yesterday. Cut thirty. What do you say to New Yorkers who say this can't go on? We're afraid. We're afraid to take the subways. We must make sure people feel safe. And as I say over and over again, uh, the best way to do that is to have that visible presence of a police officer. Uh, one of the incidents over the weekend, officers were there at the station. They were able to apprehend the person. Overwhelmingly, the number of crimes in our city, uh, they are repeated offenders. We have a revolving door system. We're going to continue to do our job, but we also must unbottleneck our criminal justice system. Some bottleneck. Oh there's, a, there's, a, there's a wall. They're not putting Holy him in jail. Mo- because he's just said- like blah, 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 blah. Like right. He's like Charlie Brown's teacher. Right. Nothing he says is does anything. Well, I, I will say this. He say, he's called out the Democratic legislature saying, guys, reverse these bail laws. And they go, no, we don't think so. So does he have any control whatsoever? Is he just like a guy that gets out there and he does nothing? He could hire cops. He could empower them. But basically the qualified immunity and the uh, and these bail reform came from Albany. Oh, my God. It's, and it's not just New York. It's happening across the country.
Right. So these these criminals are doing these low level crimes. Meanwhile, I can't even go to a CVS and get deodorant. It's like locked up. Do you know that they chase Manhattan says we no longer will have 24 hour ATMs? It's so going we are back being to 1975. Yeah. We the taxpayers are being punished for these people doing these low level crimes that are going to get out. The bodegas are now locking up. Oh their my gosh, food. Brian! It's, it's going to be like buying razors. You know, if you don't have to do this, but you got to go into a CVS and buy a razor. You got to get the person with the keys. Well, we could do that with with uh, now we're going to do that now. with yeah. Now we do that with, with soap. Yeah. Dove soap. Oh my gosh! It's just my like I've got fire coming out of my ears. So I don't know what it is with the weather department forced <laughs> to do more than just their job. When we come back, we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out what is going on with uh, Janice's book. Get some anecdotes. Another reason to get the book. Uh, and also go out, if you are in the New York area, listen on WABC or WRCN uh, or on the stream. You can go see uh, uh, both of us. We'll be in Greenvale, New it's York, at CW Post. doing dancing. Not dancing. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. As the guy with the deep voice mentioned, Janice Dean also has a deep voice for a girl. Oh. Uh, Fox News senior meteorologist, New York Times. I take that as a compliment. Yeah, you should. Uh, I am the storm inspiring stories of people who fight against overwhelming odds. Um, and Janice, you're going to be on Long Island on Wednesday at, at post at seven o'clock tomorrow, Long Island university. I should yes. say, That's and it's the name. Roosevelt school. I'll give you directions. You have to sign up at theodoresbooks.com. It's going to be really fun. You're going to be there, right. which is the best reason to come. So let me ask some, you know, who's coming back. I'm seeing Chris Cuomo doing interviews oh, now, gosh. you know, so do you think that they're going to, is there a plan in place? Cause I'm sure they, you know what I heard just between you and I. Is I heard Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo aren't talking to each other right now. Really? Yeah. Hey, Eric, do you know anything about that? No. Eric does not. I heard Eric. it from a pretty reliable source. Yeah. Really? You gotta you gotta think of course. that Chris Chris I Cuomo mean, sacrificed his whole career, but he no did. one no one asked him to get on those calls and take over. If I don't really think listen, I don't like the fact that he called me a weather bitch at one point. Right. But he wasn't – I don't think he was the one that was really wanting to promote his brother. The, I think CNN, the management, was. And I kind of don't fault him. I don't like the fact that, you know, he was coming after me at one point. But I I kind of think that he got the bad deal, right? Well, number one – He didn't wanted, put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. Right. Uh, but he, did, he wasn't looking to say, hey uh, – Big bro, yeah. Uh, you should probably admit to this. That's true. And don't let's not vilify the accusers. And then remember when he lied about like having COVID and he was in the basement. Meanwhile, he's going up every other chance he can get, saying, right. you know, well, he's spreading just, the virus. He gave an interview with somebody, and he he was saying that <laughs> I used to be number one on the number one network, and I'm thinking to myself, what is he talking about? He was never number one. <laughs> Maybe for him, for the CNN, was he the number one? Oh yeah, show? probably. Yeah. Maybe he was the number one on that show. Maybe. Right. You gotta think that even though he's over at that other channel, that he is missing the fact that he was over at you know fairly at the time big network. He says he was upset he wasn't able to say goodbye to everybody. Oh Mike, well you could give you could call somebody. Ah, right? So you have a phone. Yeah. What does I mean, that say to you that he couldn't say goodbye to anybody, but no one picked up the phone to call him? 
that should tell you something about the relationships that he had over at CNN. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you wrote your book. It's, people focus on Cuomo. It's not just about Cuomo. You have other people that stood up against the system or people much more powerful. Do you have some of those stories? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our friend Ray Pfeiffer, who died of 9-11-related cancer, he spent many of many years while he was sick with cancer going down to Washington, D.C. to advocate on behalf of of other first responders who were dying of 9-11 related illness. And even though he doesn't know the impact that he had, you know, for decades now, first responders who were down at 9-11 who have cancer are, you know, are, are, are getting um, treated because of what he did in his dying days. And that was with John Stewart and he yes. was doing a lot of that testimony. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Specht was really one of the first whistleblowers to know that his cancer, his throat, his thyroid cancer was related to his time down at ground zero. How much do they blame the lack of information from the, uh, from the former governor of New Jersey about the cancers they experienced back then. Remember they said there's no problem, the air is oh, fine. Oh, it was, yeah, it was uh, Whitman, Todd Whitman, that came out and said the air is safe to breathe, and she did not apologize till like, over a decade later. Right. So that was government uh, interference saying, yeah, no problem. Meanwhile, these guys, the FDNY that are going down there to try to, try to dig up their dead brethren uh, – they're, they're no masks. Go- no masks, but they're, but they're being like they. There's guys in spacesuits as they go in to like wash down so that they can go eat something. So there was like such a disconnect between what was happening in yeah. New York with government officials, and they're all masked up. But these guys are going down trying to you know get the remains of their brothers, and they didn't have anything. Crazy. Uh, listen, uh, go out and see uh, Janice. It will be Wednesday at 7 o'clock uh, at Long Island University and pick up I Am The Storm, inspiring stories of people who fight against overwhelming odds. In a matter of moments, we're going to answer the question, does Trey Gowdy have an untucked shirt or is it just an untucked shirt? Stay tuned. We're going to find out because he looks good on his cover. Yeah. Doesn't he? But isn't he, is he like that in real life? Nope. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And then bottom of the hour, Trey Gowdy, wearing an untucked shirt without the little emblem. I guess he could not get the sponsorship. Look at this. Did you see this, Janice? It's Can I cool, talk right? Now? Doesn't he look good? Is that an untucked shirt or right. just a shirt that's untucked? Good question. That's my first question out of the box. And might as well be. Trey Gowdy's here in studio. I have no regrets. Okay, maybe a few. Uh, His book is now out. It's Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making. It's excellent. Uh, I got some great tips on it already. Just got it yesterday. Went right through it. Uh, Trey, first off, you told me when you walked in on the conversation, it is not an untucked shirt, but it might as well be because (laughs) the untucked shirt was designed to go underneath the jacket when you do it and not get too long. If it's too long, it doesn't work. How did you pull it off? Um, I was forced to pull it off against my will. I, I really never wear an untucked shirt. Uh, it's a regular dress right. shirt. So um, you just you went to a photo shoot. I went to a photo shoot. Not only did I go to a photo shoot, uh, they told me what I was going to do. I right. usually don't like stand in a in the, in, in a doorway leaning <laughs> against. I, I usually don't do that. Uh, right. I I'm either in golf clothes, gym clothes, or a suit. Uh, I only own one pair of blue jeans. I see that I managed to find them for that particular photo right. shoot. But, you know, you've written a thousand books. I mean, they want the cover to kind of 
denote something, and I guess they wanted this cover to denote the fact that I didn't have time to tuck in my shirt. No, 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 it looks good. I, I mean, if I didn't think it looked good, I wouldn't have brought it up, but I thought you looked great. But I am, one thing that I did is I told my family, I like the untucked shirts. Now I get them like a dozen. <laughs> Every time I have a tiny type of event, I'm getting an untucked shirt. has a little emblem on the bottom. Can I you ask you to a be question a sponsor. about yeah. that? Is there a difference between an untucked shirt sure. and a normal shirt that's Absolutely. Untucked? Yeah. In fact, if you see the story, it's a fascinating story that the he used to think about it, the creator of 10 years ago, used to think about it. This is what he thought about it. You and I think about different things. The creator of Untucked said, I used to walk around, is there a shirt that looks good untucked that's not too long? And he came up, he had a team of scientists that came up with this the right length. So... That is the answer to the question. I didn't think we'd give a talk about shirts this much. but <laughs> Well, the more weight I gain, the more I am open to wearing my shirt untucked because there's a little more camouflage. No, that's wrong. Uh, you're still in great shape. You love to golf too, right? I, and you're getting to golf now. I, I, I'm getting to golf now, although the order I get, Brian, I don't want to play if the temperature is lower than my age. And it's more important to me who I play with than where I play. What do so, you mean? Did they have to be good? The players got to be good? It's. I, I find myself playing with the same people that I played with 30 years ago. Right. They're lifelong friends. Yeah. I love playing with John Ratcliffe. Um, I play a good bit with Lindsey Graham primarily because uh, he has uh, the membership number at my country club, and he comes over and helps himself to a round of golf and a meal and, and a shirt. <laughs> so I figure if he's running up my tab right. at the country club, I might as well join him. And probably, I would love to be in that foursome because the stuff that he knows and the, hear the stuff that he hears, plus would, and consequential stuff. One thing about Lindsey Graham, like you, you guys didn't duck from the major stories. There are certain people you just never see. Right, they just like okay. Do you need me here? Other people are like okay. They Germany's not giving tanks. I'm going to Germany. I'm going to demand they give the tanks to Ukraine. I wish I ducked more. Um, I, you know, Patrick McHenry. He's the sure. he, he was the whip. He's now he gave me great advice when I got to Congress. He said the mistake I made is I saw a fight, I joined in, and then afterwards I said, "What was that about?" Don't do that. Pick your fights yeah. judiciously. I, you know, Lindsay's been a friend for 30 years. Um, he, you know, sees fights on a more regular basis than some of the rest of us. I like to, if it's not legal, um, if it doesn't involve the justice system or something I know something yeah. about, I try to stay out of it. Understood. So I love this book because it's not for the lawyer. It's not for the politician. It's for the average American. It's to make those decisions that are big in the, in the individual's lives. So, when you get to a certain age, where do you go for advice? And then does that person understand the question that you really have? Like how many people know the law and you have a decision to make for your law career? Who do you go to? They have your best interest in mind and you're not exactly like anyone. So it's a formula for people to go through before they have to make a decision. And one thing you say, work backwards. Picture yourself getting what you want and then saying, is that, is that okay? Am I happy with that? You know, Brian, I had a lifelong fascination with the federal bench. That was my dream job, was to be a federal judge. And I made a ton of decisions in life trying to position me for that. And yet, when that opportunity presented itself, it was really the pursuit more than the actualization. Right. And I turned it down. But, you know, I walked in here this morning, and I referred to you as the busiest person at Fox because you're on air in the morning, then you do a radio show. But your decision to do the radio show, you could be doing something else right now. I asked. I mean, you could be doing something else right Right. now. So you had to decide, yes, I I want to 
you know, get up at four o'clock in the morning. I want to keep working. I want to have a different schedule from the from from most normal folks that don't get up when you get up. Life is full of decisions. So when you talk about looking at the end, I started with closing argument when I was in a courtroom, and when I give speeches now, I I start with the last paragraph. Really, and then how do I want to get you to the crescendo? The people are far more likely to remember the last thing you said than the first thing or something in the middle. So you need to emphasize that. So if it works with speeches in the court, why would it not work with life? What do you want that last picture to look like, and are you making decisions to get you there? So the one story that stuck out out with me that I read this morning that you had said you had somebody come up to me and wanted to be in Congress, and they're going to join West Point. They had to get in Annapolis, had to get in West Point, and you thought— you know, you don't need to get to the academies in order to get your goal because he, that person was saying, if I don't get there, all hell is going to break loose. I'm going to be a failure. Just so you know, if you want that end game, you don't need to go to the academies. So understand the decision you're making might be putting too much pressure whether you get in or not. Uh, well, you and I were just talking off air about a guy named Mike Pompeo. Uh, not only did he go to one of the service academies, he graduated number one from mm-hmm. that service academy. So let's assume, you know, that his ultimate goal is to be president. I don't know whether it is or not, but let's assume it. I mean, does that get him any closer? Because there are other candidates that that, that didn't do right. what Mike did. So it it used to break Adds my heart. to the quiver. Yes. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a good thing to have and say, yeah, I did that. But is it necessary? No, And I'll bet you that if you were to ask Mike, what does the final picture look like for your life? It would include the word honor, service. It really wouldn't include the title. Right. So going to West Point did get him closer to his closing argument. His closing argument is just not that I was the president of the United States. It breaks my heart to talk to young people who really think their life is over if they don't get into a certain school. I mean, I you and I got friends in the U.S. Senate that barely made it in and Absolutely. out of school. Mm-hmm. Barely. John McCain was one of them. He only got in because of his name, and he barely stayed in. Because, And I think he did okay. I, I was more thinking of Lindsey Graham, whom I'm still not sure. Went he, to school at all. Lowest SAT score ever <laughs> in <laughs> South Carolina history. That you, You're just assuming that. No, he told me that. He told you that? And usually when people say that, you think, well, that can't be true. But I never question him. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right. Lindsay, you're telling the truth again. I truly appreciate that. So you go, because you had to go through, I'll just tell you the decisions that I know you've made. Number one, you're in Congress. You got a pretty big name, national name. You become chairman of a committee. And that chairperson, an extremely high-profile committee, Benghazi, you could have used that to launch it into a Senate run, a presidential run, who knows? But you go, check, please. I'm done. And then you come here, and you're in competition to get a daily show. And you're like, no, you know what? Happy run the weekends. This is the balance I want. Let alone what you did before you got to Congress, which you have a very successful prosecutor, which you say is probably the most enjoyable and satisfying thing you've done. So these are three decision points. Did you use those formulas to decide what's, what's important? It took me a while, Brian. It took me a long time to get to the point where I felt empowered to define success for myself, not what other people. I mean, people who are in who are in the television business would look at you and say, Brian Kilmeade is a lot more successful than Trey Gowdy. He's got he's on six out of seven days. He's on television. And and if that's the way they judge it by how often you're on television, I would say they're right. I, I you know, I left Congress because it, it just wasn't part of my 
closing picture. It wasn't part of my closing argument. You used the formula you put in the book. I, I want I want people to say he was fair, uh, funny and fair. I don't care if they say he was smart. I don't care if they say, you know, he had a really high conservative rating. I want them to say he was funny and fair. And if a job doesn't allow you to be fair, you probably don't need to keep the job. So interesting, too, because you talk about if people are also listening to this, say, well, how does this apply to me? Well, put yourself at the funeral. What do you want people to say about you and work your way backwards? And who defines success in your life? Who defines losing? I mean, there's a big difference between losing and failure. And I write in this book about some of the best-known names in history. You can start with Jesus, who lost a voice vote to a guy named Barabbas. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lost in that he was executed by the Germans. Martin Luther King Jr. lost in that he was assassinated. None of them reached the age of 40. So you can argue they lost certain things in life, but no one would argue they were a failure. So who defines success for you? And it took me a while to get out of letting other people do it. It's interesting. Anthony Robbins wrote this thing where people have um, they have some fundamentals of uh, Think and Grow Rich, one of the first success books probably written by Napoleon Hill in the 20s or 30s. And then you have Norman Vincent Peale, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. But Anthony Robbins took it to a different level. He says, okay, you want to achieve this. Good. Write your goals down. Do whatever you want to do, intermittent goals. Ask yourself, why do you want to achieve it? So when you get there, you, when you re- get there, you'll understand why you did it. And if it's doing it to prove to somebody else that you could do it, you're going to be wholly unsatisfied when you get there. Whoever said that's right. Um, I used to follow the pyramid uh, definition for success, that I need to do things other people didn't do. And then we have this temptation to, to follow the ladder approach, that I have to climb this proverbial ladder. And you get to a point in life where you say neither one of those are satisfying. Um, I need the mirror approach. Do I like the person I see in the mirror and the people who are closest to me, my wife, my children, my parents, my closest friends, are they proud of what they see? And I am blessed. I am married to, uh, I think she knows I was in Congress, Brian, but I wouldn't put a ton of money on it. Right. I, I don't, it's just not how she judges <laughs> right. me. Right. I think she was prouder of the fact that I helped homicide victims get justice than she ever was. In fact, she would watch some of the hearings on television and say, who is that guy? That right. is not the guy I live with. Right. So, I mean, I, obviously you don't cross-examine your wife uh, or they, or she won't be your wife for very long, but just whose opinion matters to you. And there's another chapter in there about Nathan, about finding someone who has your best interest in mind that you get advice from. Right. And it's hard. It's, it, you're lucky if you have five people that will really give you the best advice for you. And I'll reverse it. That Nathan, when you re- reach a point in your life, when you're satisfied, you satisfi- your satis- uh, satisfaction. Uh, satisfaction. That would be That's better. another word. Satisfaction, I mean, yeah. You can do what you when want. You, when your satisfaction is gained from helping other people, you've reached a great point. Because giving uh, back and helping other people is the greatest, my, un- my unofficial opinion. But, Trey, I want that story about Nathan a little bit more. We have a few minutes on the other side of the break. The name of his book, it's out today, and he's kind enough to visit us on, on Publish Day. Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision Making. It'll help your life right away. It doesn't matter if you're doing anything that we're doing. Whatever you're doing, use his formula, and I think you're going to be very satisfied. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, 
The more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're back. Trey Gowdy's with us. Name this book that's out today. Uh, Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making. And, uh, Trey, not to diminish your intellect, what I found that most interesting is that this is so readable. Like, you wrote this for the mass audience. This is not a law school journal, which you're capable of putting out, too. I'm not sure I am capable of that, but I learned the hard way in, in the courtroom that if the jury can't understand you, it doesn't matter how good of a lawyer you are. You have to write it where people can understand what you're saying. And I'm not that sophisticated of a guy, but... Um, I mean, if people can't relate to what you're writing, then you haven't been successful. I cut you off on the Nathan story. Just can you tell us what, what you meant by that? Yeah, I mean, Nathan, obviously, you know, we, you go to a sporting event and you hear, you know, you're the man. I mean, every time Tiger Woods hits a shot, and, and th- that verse is actually in the Bible. Uh, David committed uh, a series of horrible crimes, sins, whatever you want to call it, conspiracy to murder Uriah over Bathsheba. And so Nathan was one of his advisors, and he came to him and told him a story about a rich man taking something for report from a poor man. And David just got so enraged and said, surely as I breathe, that man will die today for doing that. And Nathan said, you are that man. Do you have someone in your life that will tell you that you are wrong? Do wow. you have someone in your life that will give you the best advice for you and not for them, we just showed up. Well, he's still on right now. Tim Scott's on television right now. Yeah, uh, one of my closest friends in the world. A lot of people might say, "Hey, I want you to run for president uh, because it's in their best interest." You need someone in your life that's going to say, "You know what, Tim? Figure out what's in your best interest, not not what's in your friends or your staff's best interest. What is in your best interest?" Uh, that's a great. That's a extremely great advice because as you get older, less and less people around. Uh, are the, in the circle of people that you trust. And then at the same time, you become a parent and you think to yourself, it's easy in the beginning, put that down, it's hot, put that down, it's sharp. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, when it comes to college, afterwards relationships, you're like, I, really, I find myself thinking more and more about advice as parents because I realize they're really counting on you to be that voice of, of wisdom. And I haven't really figured out life. I don't have all the answers. I pretend to. I'll tell you what, it took me a long time to figure out, uh, and my, my parents' generation was different. If you were good at something, they thought that God gave you a gift, and you had to use it. And I have kind of pivoted to, well, if he gave you the gift, he should also give you the desire. What if your kids are good at something, but they don't like it? How to know how hard to push your exactly. children? I mean, my daughter was phenomenal in theater. She just didn't want to do it. So do you push her? Do you make her be Alice in Wonderland? Do you make her do this? It's tough. Um, At a certain point, what they want, I mean, my wife is a beautiful singer. She just doesn't like being the center of attention. Right. It's hard to be a singer and not be the center of attention. So consequently, she doesn't sing. Her parents pushed her to do it. Her husband says, I'd rather you be home. I don't want you going to sing over that group anyway. Right. But – how do you know? I mean, you and I both know people who really, really, really want to do something, but they're not good at it. So how do we, as a friend, say, I know you have the desire, but do you That's have, a tough one. Do right. you have the ability? And how do you tell them that in love? Yeah, forget. You love, you said, or life? Love. Oh, love. forget that. Stay out of that. Because you go, yeah, she's wrong for you. And then they end up getting married. <laughs> like, okay, I'll sit at this wedding I made out. that mistake right. before. Lastly, and it's a big question, 
fast forward the end with the Biden situation. If I was to put pressure on you, where are we going to be with six months with these documents? Are we going to be stuck at 30 documents and, and just these quiet special prosecutors on both sides? Um, the sitting president of the United States is not going to be indicted. Um, Got it. The DOJ says you can't. and They're minority views. but So you can put that out of your mind. Uh, it also, to me, ensures that former President Trump is not going to be criminally charged. Gotcha. I, I want to know what documents they found. But people love motive. I don't love motive as much as others. But if you want to know the motive for why he took what he took, what are the documents? That's where the motive lies is in the identity of the documents. Start, stay, or leave the name of the book, The Order of Decision Making, and watch, watch Trey Sunday nights at 7. Thanks, Trey. Thank you, Brian. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.